Welcome to this week's Zen Teachings Podcast. This week's episode is called Sprint, Run, Jog, and Meditation. I want to talk today about an analogy that might help you a little bit with meditation. I've talked about it for a while now, and um, I've had some questions about it, and all my talks have been very brief, and I'm really working to kind of develop this topic, and I wanted to explain it so that you could think a little bit about it, and then I want you to think about this model as it relates to not only your meditation, but also maybe helping you understand the process and what are some of the hurdles. So the things we're going to talk about are sprinting, running, jogging, and walking. And so it, it's really interesting because as a group, we tend to use so many analogies as examples of different things. Um, and we, it's almost how we communicate and we do it to an extreme. You would think that, you know, talking about martial arts, if we just limit it there, we would have no idea what each other are talking about. So we'll say, you know, this thing is like this and that's like that. But, but meditation is like nothing else. Meditation's absolutely like nothing else. If you haven't meditated consistently, and had any sense of depth, there's no other experience in the world that will help you understand what that is. So you have to actually do it. It's an experience more than it's a conversation. That being said, I'm gonna to try to talk about it. So I apologize in advance, but it, it's, it's truly an experience. It's the only way to really get it. Uh, we're gonna to try to explain it. So we have this, this really beginning, let's call it a starting point. And that's an interesting place right there, because when do you believe you're starting a meditation? Some people think I'm getting ready to do it in about 10 minutes. I'm going to go to meditate. And because they're thinking about it in their mind, they've already started. Whereas other people believe that once they're sitting down and they shut down the lights and, and their phone is off and they're sitting, you know, now they're doing it. And others are a little bit more critical of themselves and uh, they know that fidgeting and the movement and the settling it's it's not really meditating yet you're just sitting there so i have to hit the posture and i have to lock it down and once you get everything settled now you're meditating so so this is all subjective judgment and when you determine yourself as starting but the very first stage here is settling and after you've done that and and by the way that shouldn't take your whole 20 minutes that should be seconds we're talking seconds there a minute, a minute and a half if you're really, really a restless person. But And then we have this, this very, very steep drop, and we're hoping it's steep. I'm going to call that area that drop sprinting. Sprinting is the process that you use to unplug the senses. That's really what we're working to do, to completely unplug the senses. Take the, the chi, the ki, prana, away from tasting, smelling, hearing, seeing. All of the senses just completely unplugged unplugged. It's a lot like sleep in that you're no longer conscious that you're hearing something or smelling something. The energy is not there to make the sense activate and give you the sensation, which leads to a thought and starts that whole process again. You're unplugging. It's you're unplugging it at the root source. So whatever uh, process you're doing to achieve all this for this analogy, just see it as your sprint. So then after we've gone deep, there's this very straight, sometimes a little bit wavy line, and we're gonna call this running. You can't sprint in the way that we're using the word for the whole meditation. It's such a strong intensity of effort. 
it's such such a mental focus you can't do that for a long meditation if we're talking two three hours you just can't focus that hard for that length of time so there's this period where our sprinting becomes running so so sprinting i want you to associate with going deeper on plugging senses running would be being peaceful it's the time in meditation when you're actually not making an effort to unplug the senses they're just actually unplugged and now you're sitting and you still have concentration but without strain or effort without the emotional energy it takes to go deep you're already there so you're as deep as as you have the mental focus to get and that varies for everybody but you're as deep as you get and now it's just peaceful and you ride that that run for as long as possible but then there starts to become this point where you have this upturn in this area here I would call in this analogy jogging. Jogging is where the senses are starting to plug back in. Jogging is you're coming out of the peaceful, the calm, the very relaxed, centered state of meditation. The senses are starting to plug back in, meaning that you're starting to hear things, you're starting to feel things. You're not even there yet uh, where you're getting it, but the energy is on its way back. And this is a vital, vital time right here. And it's at this point, we're going to say walking. Walking is where the senses are plugged in and you're not really meditating. You're just sitting there. At that point, the reason I like the model so much is everybody can associate with that, that spot right there, whether you meditate or not. The idea of going from jogging to walking. I'm sure you've done that. You've been out for a jog and maybe you've gone a couple blocks, maybe a couple miles, but at some point the jog becomes a walk and you might want it to and you might just you might be tired but you want to keep going and you know that's only about three or five steps it's a very fast process and if you're being critical of yourself you know when you're no longer jogging you're really walking and now I, I know I personally I've been there and I want to keep jogging and I have to immediately try harder or I'm clearly walking that exact moment in meditation going from jogging to walking is extremely, extremely crucial because the senses are one moment away and, and they're going to be plugged back in. And I'm going to have to start the whole process all over again, but now it's worse because I've already been sitting for 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, whatever you can do. So you have the fatigue of already putting some time in and, and then the starting over. So you can't ever allow the consciousness to go through the process and to get to that point. You can't help but to sprint. In, the, in this example, sprinting means unplugging the senses, going within, and interiorizing the consciousness, really becoming still. Running is the peaceful, quiet, meditative place. You want to hold on to that as long as possible, but at some point you're going to start the jogging and this all beginning again. People think that the sprinting, that this is the confusing area. What does it really mean to sprint? What is the technique? You've described it fine, but, but how do I do it? Well, there's a lot of techniques out there, but really it's an example of attitude because you've assumed the posture for meditation at this point. Your back is straight, your eyes are closed and upturned, hands are at the juncture between the thigh and the abdomen, and you're ready physically. But mentally, you, you use your body, you push the breath out, you exhale, you inhale six to 12 times, allowing the body to become oxygenated. Then you watch the breath 
but you watch it with such sincerity. You watch it with such interest, there's nothing more exciting, there's absolutely nothing more important. It's not exciting. Exciting makes reference to enthusiasm and heart rate. Um, I want there to be enthusiasm, but enthusiasm needs to be one of the seriousness, one of real focus. So I'm now doing one specific thing. I'm shutting down except for the consciousness. I'm shutting down everything except for the consciousness. That's it. I'm going to be totally conscious, but my body isn't moving. My thoughts are going to be so relaxed because my attention only is focused on the breath. I'm not controlling it. I'm not forcing the inhalations. I'm not forcing the exhalations. There's no manipulation to the breath at all. It's just awareness. I'm going to hold as steady and as hard as I possibly can for as long as I can. And at some point, your mind's going to relax. And if it relaxes and you're peaceful, then you've successfully unplugged the senses. If it relaxes and you still feel everything, stay there long enough with that kind of effort and energy to actually reach that peacefulness to actually unplug. So once you get to the idea of running and you're peaceful and you're calm, your job is to stay there. And that's that's hard because the moment you have any thought, any sensation, you're going to get pulled out of it. So even if you sat there and you think, wow, this is peaceful, that's it, you're done. The phone rings, you're done. That's it. Somebody next to you coughs, you're done. That's it. So you have to be still. At some point, though, it's going to get a little restless. Your body, your mind, your, your emotions, and so you start this jogging. And that's fine, and it can be calm, but it's not peaceful. See, we have calmness, peacefulness, bliss. The walk, though, is where it gets dangerous. The moment you start really surfacing. You're all but moved, and unless you're just sitting there gritting your teeth, you're really not meditating anymore at all. So in this idea, it can happen, you know, the idea can happen many times in meditation. So let's say you're meditating 30 minutes. You may only get to barely a run, and the 30 minutes is done, and that's successful. You did really well. But in 30 minutes, you might go through the whole model 15 times. You're sprinting, running, jogging, sprinting, running, jogging. It's just based on how much discipline and control you have over your mind. You know, but, but I can't go deep. Okay, I get it. But it's the same graph. It's just on a smaller version. With this, there's just one thing I want to add. And one thing, it's a common phrase I'm sure you've heard. Uh, prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening. So the question is long meditations. What do I do when I'm done praying and I'm done listening? You know, I already already said it all, but you're done. You got nothing left to say. And, and really, you don't really want to listen anymore. I'm not trying to listen, but I've got no more concentration. What happens when you're done praying and you're done listening? You sit with. You're just there. That's the important thing. There's nothing else to do. It's that you have nothing else to do, and that's that's the thing to do, right there. So I hear questions, and oftentimes people suggest, I don't really ever unplug all my senses. I just can't do it. We have beginners come in and say, you know, this just isn't for me. You don't understand. My mind is so restless. I can't do it. You do, and you, you know, as, as an easy example, you do it at night when you sleep. Even if you're sleeping 20 minutes a night, for those 20 minutes, whatever it is, you didn't hear what was going on. You didn't see what was going on. You didn't smell what was going on. 
all the senses were unplugged. And that's not to be mistaken, obviously, when I'm sleeping and the fire alarm goes off and I wake up, there's no question that any of us can be jolted out of a meditation. I can cause any sense that you want to be so stimulated that it forces you out of a meditation. You know, you're sitting there, you're peaceful, you're running very deeply and somebody throws a stink bomb or something in the room, you're probably going to stand up, smell it and run out. Same thing with sound, with touch, it's all right there. But is it happening that I'm unplugging the senses for any period of time? So an easy test, in fact, you've all probably done it without knowing you're really testing it, is to sit in a room with something that makes noise. And not something loud, um, just noise that's consistent, like a clock or anything, or traffic even. Sit, meditate as well as you can, go as deep as you can, and after the meditation, think, did I have any period of time where I didn't hear it the whole time? Or did I have any period of time where I didn't hear the traffic? Was there any time where I sat and I didn't hear it? Now, you got to be careful with this as a test because it's not something you do all the time. I don't want your mind to get fixated on block it out, block it out, block it out. But it's the same experience of you're deep in a conversation with a friend or a loved one or a coworker, and maybe somebody walks in the room and you legitimately don't notice. It's not that you're trying to ignore the person, but you're engaged in what you're doing. But I also want you to understand that there are periods of time where you're sitting and something's happening right there and you're still unaware of it. There's no energy to it. You're so focused here that that's gone. And you can do it with all the senses. You can light incense or something, candle on the other side of the room, far enough away and see if you can sit without smelling. It's dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous. Um, it's incorrect is a better word to do while well, I'm trying not to hear the clock or the traffic or whatever to during the process say, I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. That's going to cause you to hear it. You just have to meditate. And then after the fact, honestly evaluate, did you hear it the whole time? So other questions that we get revolving around deeper sprinting, and in this analogy we have calmness, peacefulness, bliss. I didn't get too carried away because it's rough to get to. Deeper sprinting would, would be you go deeper and you have that state and you hold on to that state. And odds are the deeper you go into the sprint, the longer the run goes automatically, right? So first we say consistency, depth, length. Every single day I meditate. One of the interesting problems with describing what you should experience in meditation, and it can be done, um, but it would be a problem for you because you would sit down and always judge the particular meditation based on what you think it should be. So I don't want to tell you what I feel you should experience. I don't want you to be thinking, I should hear this, I should see this, I should smell, I should taste, absolutely anything. I want you to have the experience, consistency. The number one goal is every day every day. Now, there's a lot of people in our program that do that, do that every day. And if you're not doing that, that's your first goal. For how long? A week? No, no, six months, a year, every day, didn't miss any. That's your first goal. But if you don't feel like it, yep, do it. What if you're sick? You do it. What if you broke your arm you're in a, in a skiing accident? You sit anyway. There's no excuse ever. Some days will obviously be better than others, but I'm doing it. First goal, consistency. Next is your depth. Once you're consistent, this is really a part of your day. Your, your day 
I'm going to really strive hard to sprint as long and as deep as I can. So some people in the sprinting process could sprint a very, very short period of time. Other people could sprint longer, but not as deep in their sprinting, and they still go longer. So our goal is to go a long time with with such a serious, focused commitment to only being concerned, almost consumed with breathing, that, that everything else falls away. And when you get to that point where everything else is gone and has been gone, then you start to be able to get to a point where you say, okay, now I'm sitting. And the last thing is the breath and the concentration on it to go. So I would say when you hit the calmness, it's about taking your thoughts and and cutting them in half, wherever you are. If you have 5,000 thoughts bouncing around in your mind, if you cut that in half, you'd feel calm. If you had 20 thoughts in your head and you cut that in half, you'd feel calm, calmer than you were relatively. And so we've got our consistency depth. The next is peace. Peace is, is harder to hit. Maybe it's the hardest to hit, but it's a steeper, steeper slope for a longer period of time. And then bliss is the steepest slope, longest period of time. But all the senses are completely unplugged and you're absolutely there. The breath has become so deep. The, the Gita says you feed the inhalation to the exhalation and you feed the exhalation to the inhalation. And it becomes so connected that it starts to pause. And then what do you have? That's bliss. It's kind of a cold way to describe such an important thing. But let me tell you this. I believe you're only going to hit that state when you can still the mind while simultaneously opening the heart. If you don't have the heart open, you're not going to hit that state. You're not going to hit bliss. If you only have the heart open, you're not going to hit bliss. You have to still the mind and open the heart.